You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our affiliate partnership with Mira. Mira is the first and only comprehensive at-home testing device that allows women to quantitatively track major hormones needed to predict ovulation. Unlike other fertility trackers on the market, Mira Fertility Tracker is the only one that gives you the actual hormone concentration levels as well as easy to understand fertility scores based on those readings. I've been using Mira since my period returned after having Cameron, who is my double rainbow, And it's actually given me the confidence to advocate for myself in terms of some concerns that I have with my ovulation cycles. Please consider using our affiliate link and code if you're interested in purchasing Mira. Visit themiscarriagedoula.co slash Mira to learn more. Now back to the show. I always felt like my story wasn't like unique or um, like hard enough. (laughs) So I, I won't hate, be offended I if you don't I hate hearing use it. that. And I hear that from so many people. And it makes me sad because I think I say the same thing every time I talk to somebody and they say that, like, this is your story. You can always think how other people have it worse than you. Somebody somewhere is always going to have a worse journey. Um, and that's just not fair to do to yourself because, like, just looking at what you've provided me, two DNCs is that's rough on your body. And then going through IVF and then a hard pregnancy, like you've definitely earned your medal to talk about, you know, the crap that you've gone through. Um, and, and that's the same when people come to me and they have uh, what's called chemical pregnancies, which is my least favorite term. You know, they feel like they don't have a place in the miscarriage community and they experienced a loss too. It was just a different gestation than I experienced or that you experienced. Yeah. So I know it's easy yeah. for us to downgrade our journeys, but I urge you to to look at it as this is your story. And so it's okay for you to be, you know, it's okay for you to be sad over what you've lost and what you've had to go through, even though someone somewhere always has it worse, you know? Okay. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. I guess the more that people like you put it out there and like we share, the, the more like validation, I guess we get. That's the hope. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, I'll, I'll start if you want me to. (laughs) Yeah, no, you go ahead. You start wherever you want to start. Okay. Well, I'll start from the beginning, I guess. Um, In my husband and I are, we were always super anxious. And so we thought, getting pregnant was going to be really hard. (laughs) Um, We're like doomsday type, like we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. So we started trying in August of 2017 and um, September came and I wasn't pregnant yet. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's never going to work. And then um, by the next cycle, I was pregnant and we were like, that's too good to be true. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't. I was pregnant, like, 
it just felt too good. Um, so we went to the doctor at about seven weeks and we saw a beautiful little baby and a heartbeat. And it was like this indescribable feeling. And we walked out like, maybe it's okay. Like maybe it is good. And this is where, so like the next couple of weeks I had read you're, you don't start showing until like, I don't know how far along, but I was like, I'm going to take pictures anyway. So I would stand in front of the mirror and take my pictures of my bump, which was not <laughs> just to have it as comparison. And we went back at about 11 weeks and they did the sonogram and the baby hadn't really grown since the last time. And there was no longer a heartbeat. Um, so it just felt like, like we finally were excited and then it was just ripped from us. And I was mad at myself. I felt like I had done something wrong. I felt stupid for taking these pictures of my just belly because <laughs> clearly the baby hadn't grown and I didn't know that. Um, and they, my doctor offered he said, do you want to take medicine or do you want to do the DNC? And we didn't really do any research or anything. I was just like, I can't miscarry at home. That sounds awful. That sounds scary. Um, let's just do the surgery and be done. And so like, cause I was thinking my body already didn't take care of this naturally. Like it had been four, five weeks or something since, or no, three weeks. I can't do math since, uh, <laughs> Um, since we saw the baby and it, it hadn't done anything. Like I didn't have spotting. I didn't, I didn't feel differently. Um, so we decided to go with the DNC and we did it and I was devastated, but, um, there were like, wasn't anything to do. You just have to move on, I guess. And I think I looked for things online. I looked for books. Um, there wasn't much around that I could find. And so my doctor was pretty old school and he said, wait two cycles or something until you're healed and then you can start trying again. So we waited and we started trying. And then of course this time I'm like obsessed. I'm using the ovulation strips and like you know, sex is no longer fun. And we were doing the sperm meets egg plan like every other day. And then when you ovulate every day, like just everything trying to get pregnant. And I got pregnant again on our third cycle. And I just remember thinking like, like, I don't like, okay, I'm pregnant, but that doesn't mean anything. So I called the doctor and he brought me in at four weeks and they did a blood test and I was pregnant. Um, and he put me on progesterone just in case he's like, I don't know if it would help, but <laughs> you can have it if you want. And he was, I love him. Um, and then he brought me back at six weeks and there was a baby. There was no heartbeat, but he said it was early. Um, and the baby was measuring six weeks in a day, I think which I was exactly. So I just had this bad feeling like, like you're not getting, I barely remember any of this actually, because it was sort of just like going through the motions. 
So we waited the two weeks and we went back and there was no growth and no heartbeat. So this time we decided like we had in the interim, we had done some research and like found out there could be scar tissue and the DNC isn't necessarily the best option. So I took the medicine and I was with my parents at their beach house and it was horrible. Um, just like cramping and passing clots. And like, I would call my husband every time I went to the bathroom and like have him look in the toilet. I'm like, I don't want to flush the baby. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, which one's the baby? And like, it was awful. And like, you never think that you're going to do this. Um, So the next week I went to the doctor and he did an exam and he found like he was checking me out and he pulled out the baby or like what was the baby um I don't know if it's like a fetus or what like I saw it it was I don't know it was a little traumatizing but a little bit comforting like oh there's the baby you know (laughs) like that was in me and sort of like they put it in like this little container and that was it I don't know where it went (laughs) but it was just weird that I felt sort of relieved that I didn't like have to flush it down the toilet. And I know a lot of people do and you don't even know it, but I don't know. I just got to see the baby and it made me feel a little bit good. But um, so I left the doctor and like, that was, I don't remember what day, but I was at work and I worked in an elementary school. So I was in a first grade classroom and all of a sudden I started like, this was a couple days later, I started like dripping sweat and cramping and like I was in so much pain I remember just like crawling to a bathroom and I was gushing blood I mean I've never seen so much blood in my life coming from me and like I like screaming crying in this bathroom like all alone and I guess my principal who had actually been through loss um heard me and she was like knocking on the door and they called my doctor for me and um I don't even remember if I drove myself maybe my sister came and picked me up but I went to the hospital and they um did an ultrasound and there was um there was still tissue in there that was causing the pain and I think there were two like big clots of it so they had to do well, they were going to give me medicine again, but my platelet count was too low that they thought if I kept bleeding, it would be dangerous. Um, and so I had to get the DNC like right there. So I wasn't like, I mean, it was, the whole thing was (laughs) pretty traumatizing just to like, we didn't want the DNC and then here we are, we ended up getting it anyway. And that whole thing took like two weeks from finding out that the baby hadn't grown to actually like resolving it with the DNC. And that was exactly six months. Well, we found out in June of 2018 and the first one was December of 2017. So like exactly six months later. And then here I was like two pregnancies, two losses. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like now I feel like it's a problem. Right. Um, so 
like I immediately called a fertility clinic in my area and was like, I didn't even know if fertility clinics like talk to people. Like anyone I knew that had gone to a fertility clinic was not getting pregnant on their own. Um, so like me going to a fertility clinic because I was getting pregnant, but miscarrying, like I never heard of that. Um, I really didn't hear of anyone miscarrying either. Like people didn't talk about it. Right. So um, I, rem- I actually remember I posted something about a month after my second miscarriage. It was my first due date. And I was just like, this should have been our due date. And it's not. And in the meantime, we've lost another child. And like, just sort of expressing those fears, like, for us, like pregnancy does not equal child. And I think with miscarriage, for me, and I think a lot of it, I've heard a lot of people say this too, like, you feel like robbed of a lot of that joy. Like, that second pregnancy test, it wasn't exciting. Like, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you, like, then we entered the fertility treatments, and it just got even scarier. <laughs> it just felt like the stakes were so high. So we pretty much rushed, and in July, we started going to a fertility clinic. Um, I had that low platelet issue always in the background that they had discovered from the second miscarriage, but it turns out it didn't affect the pregnancies. Um, They don't know why I was miscarrying. So they run like the recurrent pregnancy loss tests and everything. Whenever you started going to the fertility clinic. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. I see that all the time. So I saw a human. Oh, no, no, sorry. There was a lag. So I thought Debbie to interrupt you. Um, Like a blood clotting disorders and um, like lupus is one of them. Vitamin D is one of them. Yeah. So I think inadvertently I ended up getting all that because of this other blood thing that they found. I went to a hematologist and he did all of that testing um, and nothing came up. You know, you're sort of sitting there thinking like, I hope something comes up, but I sort of don't. (laughs) You're like, I just want an answer. Like, give me an answer. Um, It's like one of those things like, do I want something wrong with me or like, so I can fix it or I don't know. So they found nothing with my blood. Um, the fertility clinic, my, like when I started going, our doctor said there's, we did, um, genetic testing on each other. Um, my husband and I both did it to see if that was maybe the problem. Um, nothing there that was like a red flag for him. Um, I don't know. They did all the tests, all the regular tests. They looked at my uterus and my tubes and everything. Everything looked pretty good. And he suggested IVF just because, um, like, he knew I could get pregnant, but I wasn't sustaining. And it was happening around the same time, like, right around, like, the heartbeat starting. Um, So we did IVF, and we had 
we genetically tested and we ended up with uh, six PGS normal embryos, which out of eight that we tested, and he was like, that's unusual. Those are high numbers. So I don't think that was a genetic issue. So he encouraged us to do an ERA and we did that. And sure enough, I think this is the difference it made. We needed 13 extra hours, very specific, (laughs) of progesterone. So we started to prepare for a cycle. I had a slow growing lining, which was sort of his, like, something that made him think of, I'm sorry, it's so late. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of the word, but he was like, that sometimes could mean a problem with um, your lining being receptive at the quote normal time. Right. So it wasn't. Um, and then we were preparing for a transfer. I had a canceled transfer because my lining wasn't good. And like when you've come so far, I feel like even that is just devastating. You're like, no, I don't want to wait. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, in January of 2019, I had my first transfer and we transferred one embryo and that's our son, Edward. Um, But it wasn't like easy. (laughs) Um, I mean, as you know, like being pregnant after your losses, like every day is scary. (laughs) Um, I was lucky to be with this same doctor that had been through my first two losses um and he let me come in once a week for an ultrasound nice (laughs) which is like (laughs) insane so I think I actually had spotting on at five weeks and so I went to my fertility clinic and they saw the gestational sac and then I came back a week later they saw a heartbeat but like for me that still wasn't like anything you know it didn't mean anything really like it was good but it wasn't a sure thing so then I went back at seven weeks and eight weeks and then I graduated and then for my doctor he had me come nine ten eleven twelve I went every single week until 19. Nice (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that's how I I I paid for extra ultrasounds to have that kind of care (laughs) Oh, really? I know. I'm so fortunate. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that. And I don't even think he charged us. Like, he just like did it. He's like, oh, hey, let me just uh, look. (laughs) Nice. Well, don't give his name away or every pregnant woman is going to go down. (laughs) I know. Well, this, this really sad thing is he retired. (laughs) No, I know. I already miss him so much. Um, it's hard to find a good time. So I went. It really is. I'm like nervous this time around because he was just so caring and he knew how anxious I was. He wouldn't even talk to me when I first would come in the room. He'd just be like, you know, let's get this. Let's see the heartbeat. Let's see the baby before yeah. we like talked about what was going on. Um, so he made it bearable but you know like the six days in between even if it's a week I know a lot of people have to wait like four weeks or can't imagine (laughs) but um that those days between it was just like like terrifying like 
what's going to happen. Um, you think your baby's not alive like every day. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. it sounds really morbid, but that's exactly what goes through your mind. Yeah. It, it, it's so scary. And you're always like, oh, if I get to this point, you know, like I'll feel better. But like, I don't think that ever happened for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about anyone else, but there was never like, like I didn't share it on social media. Like it was just sort of one day like, oh, she had a baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think on my like, personal social media, I didn't share until like 26 weeks. And then I think I shared maybe one photo and then I didn't share anything until he was born. And then I rarely share. Like, it's just, it changed everything. Right. And I, I feel like that's where the miscarriage, like, robs you. Like, mm-hmm. like you can't even, for me, I don't know if it was, like, this, the reason for not sharing for you. Like, it felt like I was nervous of losing him. And then also this added pressure that, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, what's going on with your baby? And it's just like, I can't, I don't want that. Yeah. I always share that I wore really baggy clothes. Like most of my pregnancy, if I went out in public, because I didn't want people to know that I was pregnant, but I was very obviously pregnant. So like I had some sort of like body dysmorphia where, where I really thought people couldn't tell I was pregnant. Like I thought I was hiding it but I was very clearly pregnant. And so that was kind of a way of protecting myself too. That way people wouldn't ask me about my pregnancy, I guess. Yeah. It, it really changes you. It, it does. Um, like, and I don't, even after having a healthy child, like we're going through the frozen embryo transfers again. And like, it's just not the same. Like, well, I don't even know what the same would be. I don't imagine this is what it's like, like for just someone who hasn't had losses to experience pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what that's like. So it's normal <laughs> for me, I guess. <laughs> so we were going every week for, well, here's an interesting thing. Um, <laughs> my first pregnancy Um, my sister was actually pregnant with her second. We're really close. She's like my best friend and we're 17 months apart. So she had a one-year-old and she was pregnant with her second, but like much further along. And so I got pregnant and we're like, oh, that's really fun. Like we're both pregnant. And then I lost um, that baby. She had her baby, which was amazing. Um, And then I lost another one. And then we were doing IVF and she got pregnant, but she, she was with her third and she, I think she was, she didn't find out until 13 weeks. It's like, oh, that's nice. Wow. <laughs> and then I guess like, I mean, I understand where she's coming from. Like she didn't want to tell us because if our transfer didn't work, like that's just devastating. Like, I think she was so sweet she was trying to wait until she knew I was pregnant to get pregnant and then like she didn't know she was pregnant so I accidentally found out that she was pregnant when she was like 18 weeks pregnant and I was nine weeks pregnant (laughs) and it was just like it was so hard because it's my sister and my little nephew in there but like I'm getting shots in my butt every day. I'm very hyper aware of my pregnancy every day. It's like, like hurting me that I'm so scared. And then she just like 
didn't know she was pregnant until 13 weeks and is 18 weeks along. And I'm like at nine weeks, like, Oh, it's so scary still. Yeah. And so that was, that was really hard. And it felt again, like this added pressure that like, well, this has to work because if this doesn't work, like our relationship is going to be so messed up, you know, like she's had three kids, three pregnancies and I've had three pregnancies and it was just, it just felt like so much pressure. Like this needs to work. This needs to work. (laughs) Um, And it did for me. So sorry. I'm like jumping all over the place. No, you're, you're doing great. You're on track. I'm following. So you're doing fun. (laughs) So at our anatomy scan at 21 weeks, um, that was a really big one for us. And we were, that was sort of the point where I was like, if it goes well, I'm going to feel really good. And as far as like the health of Eddie, that's my son. Um, it was great. Um, but my cervix was opening and closing and like doing weird things and shortening. So again, like one of those things I had never heard of this, like I never heard anyone talk about it. And even when the doctors are telling me, I'm like, okay, like what, so what? Um, and so they had me come back like a week later and sure enough, like it stopped like opening and closing and it was just open, (laughs) not the whole thing, but it was short and opening at the top. Um, so, I mean, so that was scary. So I was like 22 weeks and they were like, well, I wouldn't go out of town. <laughs> like, why? They're like, well, we have a good NICU here. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why are we talking about this? Um, but it was too late for the cerclage. And so there wasn't really much to do. So by 24 weeks, my cervix was um, even shorter. I don't even remember the numbers now. I mean, it wasn't like dire, maybe two or something. People with incompetent cervix are probably like, that's great. Um, but my doctors were worried. Um, they put in a pessary, which is like a donut that goes around your cervix because it was too late for the cerclage. And I, since I was a teacher, I was able, I wasn't working. So they had me do bed rest at home. Um, so like starting at 24 weeks, I was just like sitting on a couch all day, like scared of delivering. (laughs) So it never really got easy for us. And then from that point on, it was like, I was going to the MFM um, every week or every other week to get my cervix checked, to make sure everything was still closed and like the pessary was in place. And I was going to the hematologist every week to make sure my platelets didn't drop too low. Um, And it was really hard. And those were like my only outings and it was the summer and like back when people went places, (laughs) I couldn't go anywhere. (laughs) I know I was lucky to have like a lot of teacher friends that were off work and would come visit me. And my other sister would come and work from my house and hang out with me. So I had company, but it wasn't easy. And again, like, I think for me, like a lot of what surrounded my like pregnancies and 
my losses was like anger. Like I was very angry. Just like, why, why does this all keep happening? Um, so at 34 weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, we made it to 34 weeks. Like we're going to get the pessary out soon. And then my water broke. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, of course, like, I'm sure people are thinking, well, like I thought it would be obvious, but you're in such denial. I'm like, I peed, I peed, I just peed. But then I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, I've never peed like this much. I mean, everybody pees when they sneeze. But like, I've never peed like, this much pee right and just like kept coming I'm like am I still peeing (laughs) (laughs) I woke up my husband I'm like I think my water broke and then it's like leaking out and so we went to the hospital and there's like a hundred people in the room because they know it's like going to be a preemie and my doctor was there working. <laughs> oh, thank God. That's always really nice. Yeah, the doctor so that you're was, hoping for. Yeah, it was so wonderful. And he got, he must have, his shift ended at like nine at night or something. I don't even know if this is allowed, but he stayed and I didn't deliver till 12.05 the next morning, like That's midnight. So nice. He stayed for me. Oh, he's like, I had to. <laughs> So we had our, our baby and he was surprisingly big. Um, he was six pounds, one ounce at 34 mm-hmm. weeks. And <laughs> the doctors kept being like, are you sure you're 34 weeks? Are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I'm sure. We did IVF. I'm sure to the minute how old he is. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but he did great 12 days in the NICU. Um, it was hard, but like, I don't even remember really. <laughs> and he's been home and thriving ever since. But I think part of, and I think this is also not talked about enough. Um, I definitely had postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And I think I was in such denial because I was like, I wanted this. Like I worked so hard for this and I wanted to be a mom and I wanted this child so badly. Like, why am I upset? And so I just like shoved it down, shoved it down, shoved it down. And finally, when he was five months old, I was like, okay, this is not just like baby blues. (laughs) So I did start taking, start taking medicine and that helped like so much it changed my world and I was like why didn't I do this sooner it's amazing um and it helped me really get out of that rut and just accept like like even if you haven't been through all of that like it's normal your hormones are going crazy and like it's okay to not like just because I was feeling like anxious and angry and upset didn't mean that I didn't love him and I think that just took me a while So that was really hard for me, but now like fast forward a year from that time and my son's a little over 18 months and we just like started to do IVF again. Luckily we have some frozen embryos, but we did a cycle last month and it failed and it just brought me back to like all those emotions. And I felt so silly to like 
be upset about like losing that embryo. But to me, it like, it already was sort of like becoming a baby. Yeah, of and course. It's like, I just didn't know how to process that. And I also feel like maybe like part of me feels like, oh, I'm being so greedy to want another child. And like, I shouldn't be upset. And I know that's not like, that's not fair to say for myself because like plenty of people have more than one child and like, that's great. (laughs) And I'm allowed to want that too. But I think I just struggle with um, like giving myself space to be upset about that. Yeah. When I'm also like, I'm thrilled that I have Evie. Like, yeah. I'm so happy. And it's not that he's not enough. It's just, I don't feel our family's complete. Yeah. So. I think that's a form of mom guilt. And I, I tell people that I learned through miscarriage and then motherhood after that I experienced mom guilt after my miscarriages. Like I had those feelings of, well, maybe that baby was better off without me. Or, you know, like you have these weird thoughts and you don't know how to describe why you're having them, but you're just feeling really guilty that you couldn't hold on to that life or to nourish that life. And then whenever you have your baby, you feel guilty that you want more just like them because they're so perfect. And it's just a weird, it's such a weird place to be. Yeah. It's super weird. And I guess like this time around, I've been more open like with friends who are asking or, and I just feel so much more vulnerable this time. Like I thought it would be easier because I have a son and like this healthy, beautiful, wonderful, loving little kid in my life. Like I just thought it would be easier. And I feel it like, it's just, it's different. It's definitely different. Like I feel like this is, I mean, people with secondary infertility, like they have these same feelings of like the want and the desire and it still hurts. (laughs) I just really like, I told myself it would be easy. Like, oh, I won't be so stressed out. Like, oh, I'm stressed out. (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I never, well, I mean, I always felt for people with secondary infertility, but I didn't fully understand how that could feel to be able to see what your baby will look like and act like and, you know, be like, and then to want more of them and for it to either not happen or possibly not happen. It's, I mean, it's terrifying. I'm in no place to have a second child yet. Um, but like, I'm still very jealous of pregnancy announcements. I'm still worried that I'm not going to get to have more kids. And it's just, it makes you feel like you have to rush everything because you don't know, you don't know how hard it's going to be for you the second time because the first time was really hard. Yes. Yes. That's exactly. And you're robbed of the entire experience, even after you have an earth side child. I, I can't agree with that more. Like this feeling. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, No, go ahead. I was just going to say something coming from like with your infertility diagnosis, because your infertility is unique, but it's not uncommon by, by any means, you know, people, struggle with infertility, but can get pregnant easily. It's just that there's something else going on. And that's almost scarier to me as somebody who struggled to get pregnant, actually, because the fear 
that I would have of accidentally getting pregnant naturally when it seems like my chances of miscarriage are higher. Like, how do you navigate that? Do you, I don't know if this is a personal question to ask when we're talking about miscarriage, but do you guys like, are you on birth control outside of IVF and things like that just to prevent it? Yeah. So that's actually interesting. You asked because that is one of the things like our doctor, my doctor, he said, you're fertile Myrtle. Like don't go <laughs> making a baby. Um, because we still don't really know why I miscarried. Like maybe it was because my lining wasn't receptive at the right time. Right. But there's no like certain answer. So like maybe I don't need to do IVF, but I'm just not willing to take that risk. And yeah, of course. I think that is one of the scary things. So yes, my husband and I don't try for a baby naturally. We try to not have the baby naturally. Yeah. Um, uh, and it is, it's a little weird because sometimes I think like with all these hormones and these shots and like, this is gross, but like shoving pills in your vagina all day, like <laughs> you're like, um, you're like, why can't we just like have a baby, like try? Cause like maybe we could. Yeah. But I'm not willing to do that. And neither is he. I mean, we're definitely on the same page with that. Yeah. Well, and then you also have the added, um, like I know somebody that I met through Instagram who they um, did IVF for their first baby. Then their second baby was like, they didn't think they could naturally get pregnant and they did. And she carried a term and then they got pregnant a third time the same way. So it was like, it happened after they had multiple miscarriages before their first round of IVF. And so now they had multiple embryos and they had you know, no more room to build their family and they had no idea what to do. And so that's a whole other thing. You know, whenever you have so many embryos, it's like, do we have five or six kids? Like, what does that look like? Because like you're saying, you, you kind of already think of them as your children, but you also have Eddie to where you kind of put a face on them. Like that's what I keep thinking of. And that's why I always say that motherhood after miscarriage is really hard because now I have a face to put to the babies that I lost. And so now moving forward, if I have more losses, I imagine it would be all the more devastating just seeing what they could have been, I guess. Yeah. I feel like that too. And there's like another aspect of miscarriage that, and I think I don't, have time to think about it or like reflect on it but what you're saying about like seeing your baby like sometimes you know how people say to you like oh everything happens for a reason you're like shut up (laughs) at least I do (laughs) because I'm like what is the reason for this (laughs) but then you like look at your child and you're like what if it didn't happen like this and like I don't know it's just like this mind like it's the weirdest feeling. It's not fair to think like that, but like, it's natural. It's like, you're sad for what you went through, but thankful for what you have. But like, who are we to say that we wouldn't have those same babies if, you know, if the first pregnancy went to term, we have no idea how that stuff works or what's going on in the universe, you know, like Who's to say yeah, that, I believe- that it wouldn't be the same? I don't know. It's so, it's almost like a dark hole to start thinking about. It's like whenever you start thinking about death and like what happens to us whenever we die and then you can't sleep for three days. <laughs> yes, I know. And I like to think like no matter what happened, like 
Edward was supposed to be and is in my life. And I don't know if he is one of those. Well, I know the first one was a girl, so he wasn't that one. But like, I don't know if he's the second one. I don't know if those two are going to come back to me. I don't like, I don't know anything yeah. about religion or anything, but I do feel like for whatever reason, like, I don't know. I think no matter what happened and like how the timeline went, like he would have been my son. Right. But Maybe I don't just really like a different way or a different, I don't know. I see what you're saying. Cause I'm kind of on the same page and like religiously, I don't really know where I stand there, but it's interesting to think about. It definitely is. But yeah, it's just, it, I think for me, the biggest two things about miscarriage was like that feeling that you've just been like robbed of like joy and like being like the naivety, you know, I'm saying that weird, cut that down. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) like, like, yeah, like that ability to be able to just like not think about this versus like once you have one miscarriage and you're like oh my gosh it's one in four chance and like this happens a lot it's so common like it's going to happen again right and you have this these fears all of a sudden that weren't necessarily there before um or at least they just become more real so I feel like that's the one of the big things and then for me what I felt so ashamed was like like I said and I think you mentioned that you like you still have trouble with pregnancy announcements and seeing pregnant women I'm the same way like even though I have my child um there is so much anger like so much anger and I think that was hard for me like because I don't I wasn't an angry person before but now it's just like I don't know it's just hard it's hard and it's like I could have my whole family whatever that looks like and I think still like 10 years from now, I, I'll always wonder, like, I might have had a baby that was 12 years old. And like, yeah, I'll always wonder about those children I lost. And like, I'll always be a little bit mad <laughs> yeah. and hurt. And just like, I feel like I was cheated in a way from that. Just the joy of pregnancy. Like to me, it wasn't it wasn't happy. And then of course, like the baby comes out and you're like, ah, where did it go? I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that's what I enough. keep telling my husband. I'm, I miss being pregnant. And he's like, you like cried all the time while you were pregnant because you were so afraid. And I was like, yeah, but I think I miss it. I think I enjoyed it. And he's like, not in the moment you did not. <laughs> that's how I feel too. Like it's horrible, but then you're like, oh no. <laughs> I want it again. No, that's totally it. What well, thinking about the whole, I also dislike that everything happens for a reason. And then you start to think about it. So, like in your case, because you had two losses, you had extra eyes on you to where, you know, maybe you're, that's how your cervix was caught so early. And maybe that was looked at and they could tell it there was a difference from 19 weeks to 21 weeks and maybe that's kind of like the gift that your angel babies gave you of like the extra care and then you know Eddie also you know having that extra care in your next pregnancy you'll be even more looked after which is you know a blessing with this being your history 
So not that I am like one of those, you know, stay positive. Everything happens for a reason. You know, just looking at the parallels, you could kind of see how in some ways they lived on and they helped you, you know, it's kind of comforting. Yeah. Oh, this is, well, two things. I always wonder, like, so I did have two DNCs where they're like prying your cervix open. So potentially, like, I don't know if that could have caused the incompetent cervix, but you are right. Like, as soon as I get pregnant next time, they're like, we're doing a cerclage 12 weeks, like stitching you up. Hopefully we'll avoid bed rest. I also had gestational diabetes because I was like just laying on my butt all day. <laughs> um, so it does. And I, I think often like, I mean, incompetent cervix, I didn't even know at the time. It was like, it's super scary and it's yeah. really dangerous for like those preterm birth. And I'm just, I'm so fortunate that I was being watched very closely and I did make it as far as I did. Like you said, like looking back, I'm like, I should have been way more scared than I was. Um, so... Well, and I recorded a podcast episode with a girl who is doing work on, um, and that episode will be out by now. So her name is Madeline and, um, she is doing the work to change the word incompetent cervix to early cervical opening, which I love. I think that's That's such a better word and just makes better sense. Um, and she was very fortunate in two pregnancies to have caught her cervix opening early enough to um like save her babies and um both her babies are living and healthy and so she didn't experience loss but is still so passionate about raising awareness for it and so we had a really great conversation about that but you're right with the dnc so whenever you've had multiple miscarriages like with without even thinking about the dnc you're already at higher risk for early cervical opening and then dncs are they do cause more um, like trauma to the cervix. And so because I had a traumatic first miscarriage and then I did the cytotech and had to have a DNC in the hospital and had all that trauma going on to my cervix with my rainbow pregnancy, I literally, I mean, I was so annoying to my doctor. Where I was like, check my cervix, check my cervix. Cause I just knew too much. Um, but I think that people should have their cervix checked you know, after multiple miscarriages, any chance you get. Oh and to gosh. be clear, I mean like the, at the, um, the ultrasound version of it, not like the hand up the vagina was your cervix open. I don't want people to think yes. that I'm talking about those kind of cervical checks um, because on ultrasounds, no. they can actually see your cervix. They just have to go a little bit lower. Literally takes a millisecond. Yeah. Yes. I know. And you get so good at being able to see that. I'm like, oh, darn, it looks shorter today. (laughs) I almost feel like I have like a PhD just from my experience. (laughs) Right. Like the, I, I don't know if you did IVF or you looked at your follicles uh, and like did monitoring ultrasounds and stuff. So it was kind of like a makeshift IUI, except for my husband had the clear bill of health. So we were all good to have sex. It was just me. (laughs) No, well, I'm still sure you got good at looking for your little follicles. 
Yeah, at yeah. your ovaries. You're like, oh, I know what I'm looking at now. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my lining. <laughs> I have people like I have friends who are going to fertility clinics now and they'll send me the pictures from their scans and they're like, my doctor said this. Do you have any questions I should ask next time? And I'm like evaluating their ultrasound. I've just seen too many. <laughs> like it's just, I'm too knowledgeable. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I've seen so many and that's it. I'm sure you have the same thing. Like with the loss is like, ultrasounds as relieving as it was to see Eddie every week like it was also still traumatizing like every time when it was with Wanda at first and like then on your belly every single time before he found Eddie I'm like I can't breathe I can't breathe I can't breathe like okay there he is I mean even at like 30 weeks you're like oh my gosh where is he even though you can feel him you're still like okay I had um I had an at home fetal Doppler that even though I could feel kicks, I still listened to the heartbeat twice a day. Like I just, you could never be too sure. And I just always thought that my every day was going to be the last. It's just pregnancy after loss is so hard. It's, it really, really is. And I think it's hard to talk about, like, like I said, I had shared my, um, about my two losses on my personal page like right after they happened so before I knew what the ending would be and it felt super vulnerable and I can't tell you how many women reached out to me that I mean that 50 years ago had a miscarriage to like you know five months ago Mm -hmm. um so many women were like and I would have never known because people just didn't as much I've seen it more recently mm-hmm. but just didn't share that and I think it it sort of encouraged me to be more open like if strangers are like so when are you having kids <laughs> I'm like actually yeah. <laughs> um like I'm just super open about it and I think I I've had people say like that was really helpful like thank you I've had friends who have gone through it after me and I've been able to be like a sounding board and a person of support I mean I don't know maybe they don't feel this way but they would confide in me um about what they were going through and it it feels good to feel like you're giving back like because I felt like I didn't have anyone to talk to yeah um and to be that person for other people has felt good like I'm doing something good. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely changed in the last couple of years um, where it's like miscarriage. Celebrities are opening up about it and it's in, you know, big publications and things like that. It's definitely a generational thing where like our parents and grandparents just buried it, like did not talk about the fact that they had miscarriages. And it's so sad. Yeah, it is. And actually, my mom had two, um, one of which was, I believe, at like 16 weeks or something, which is crazy because she's like, I don't really know. Like, it's just, I feel like the attitude was so different. And like, she loves me and we're super close. But I remember we went out to dinner one time when I was in the middle of IVF. Like, just, it was hard. And she said, she made some comment like, well, if you had a baby, you couldn't be doing this. And I was like, 
<laughs> how do you yeah. not get it? Yeah. <laughs> like I like I would give anything for that. Like to be home with the baby. Right. So it's like even though she had gone through this, I think her mentality not to mention that her daughter like and her kids are grown. Like at the time I was twenty nine and I'm her youngest. So it's like that was years ago and she knows she has this family that she wanted. Um, so it was nice to share and like get people that have like just recently gone through it, their perspective. Um, I found this site called Fruitful Fertility. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've heard of that. And I joined and I got a mentor and she was, and they did such a good job of matching me. Like she also had multiple miscarriages and then did IVF. So I, and like, like I said, like, I had never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was really helpful. And she sort of opened me up to the whole like Instagram IVF or not IVF infertility, like loss world where I'm like, Oh, these are my people. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know. I, I didn't like necessarily want to be part of this group, but <laughs> now that I am glad I have you guys. Um, So that was really helpful to have her sort of walk me through it. And she like had just recently gone through it and lived it and survived. (laughs) Right. It is. Um, It's surviving. Yeah. And I remember calling her when I had found out that my sister was like 18 weeks and I'm only nine. And, um, and she was just like, she said everything I needed her to say and, this was so wonderful. One thing she shared with me and I like how we talked about like with the miscarriage, like not, keeping it close and like you're scared to celebrate. She did say to me like after your ultrasounds or after you get news, whether it's good or bad, like take time just you and your husband to like process that because no matter what someone else's reaction is, it's never going to meet your expectation. Um, And that was, it helped me so much because like, you know, these little bumps in the road that might seem like trivial to someone else, like they weren't going to be like passionate enough about it with me or these triumphs for me, they weren't going to be excited enough for, for me. And like, just like having those moments just for my husband and I to just like process and like enjoy whatever we were enjoying or just think about whatever hard we were going through that really changed my perspective on it. And like, reminds me, it was like him and I, like it didn't matter what the world was doing. He and I were the ones that were trying to make this family. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great advice. And at the beginning of this call, you said that you felt like your story, you know, was so unique and that it wasn't, you know, so crazy to get, you know, um, like to harp on it and stuff. You've been through so much, like you've been through three pregnancies and not one of them, even though you have Eddie, you know, not one of them was like the glowing, perfect pregnancy that we see, you know influencers putting on Instagram like it's just it's not like that for a lot of people yeah yeah and I think I love the community 
on Instagram because I think we've all been through whatever we've been through that it's just like, I'm just happy to be here, guys. I might <laughs> look a mess and like, I am not glowing, but here I am. <laughs> Take it or leave it. I think this I go on very- Instagram with like my curls. Like I think you can see it now, but like my postpartum hair, especially it's like all over the place. And I look like I have George Washington hair, but I'm like, I'm tired. And I'm very happy, but I'm very tired and don't have time to do my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? <laughs> some people, I mean, some people get really dressed up for Instagram. I just, I'm in Swiss. I hardly wear a bra. Like if I'm like, if somebody can tell that I'm not wearing a bra, that's something they have to live with. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did for like a year, but <laughs> yeah, once I, I stopped breastfeeding. I'm not. I know that's Nothing what I need to start thinking about, and I'm like, uh, once I stop breastfeeding, I won't have an excuse not to wear one because I won't be oh, able to no, complain that's... that it's uncomfortable. No, you still they'll never go back, and <laughs> you'll well, still be and, uncomfortable. And it's like people can't see me doing with my hands, or like one boob is like down here and one boob is here, so I'm gonna have to use a bra, or people are gonna be <laughs> able to tell that I'm a little lopsided. <laughs> well, with the pandemic hitting, I guess I would. I breastfed till he was 14 months and that was just in October. So we were like full on pandemic and I never was able to go and like get resized for a bra. <laughs> like, so I'm still wearing like these Amazon maternity, like uh, breastfeeding bras because it's all I have. So you're That's fine. I, I don't have any real bras. So I'm Me there with neither. you. <laughs> Well, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing. I loved hearing your story and connecting with you and we're all rooting for you um, whenever you do do another transfer and when that works and, you know, when you survive that pregnancy, just like you survived Eddie's, uh, you'll have to come on and give us an update. Okay, I will. Hopefully it'll be soon and hopefully it'll be good. Yes. Yes.